episode 215 for February 2013. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices, with discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price. An example on this episode is on Superior Spider-Man number 8, and this one Peter Parker fights to regain control of his body, and our buddy Cardiac, back from the 90s, is also in this issue too. Now the cover price, $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Welcome back, gang. We're starting this episode as we wrap up your dozens of message board questions, and we start the episode with a new poster on the board. Uh, let's see, Xonathan, three posts. Well, welcome to the board, Xonathan. Kevin, first one aimed at Kevin. I've heard on several occasions that you hate the Skin Deep arc by JMS. Why? I love that arc, and it has... Uh, it has that timeless feeling to it. So why do you like Skin Deep? Not the movie starring John Ritter. Wow, you just went deep. You know, um, you, <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> I haven't read Skin Deep in years, so forgive me if I don't remember every detail of why it was loathsome. Um, I remember really, really not liking it. Part of it... I definitely remember was I like Mark Brooks. I'm not attacking his art in general, um, but the Mark Brooks uh, drawn flashback scenes of Peter Parker in high school uh, were clearly aping Mark Bagley's Ultimate Spider-Man, and it bugged the crap out of me that it looked like they were trying to present Ultimate Spider-Man as the history of Marvel Universe Spider-Man, which we all know it was never meant to be and doesn't work. Um so that, that bugged the crap out of me. Then I didn't like that we were adding in this uh, supposedly major character, retconning him into his you know, grade school or high school days um, and that you know we've never heard ever seen before, and then bringing him back as a redundant Molten Man 2 that did not need to be there. Um, yep. And another part of it was just that I came back to current monthly comics with Sins Past. Um, you know, I'd still been reading comics, but I've been reading back issues for years. And it was when I picked up part one of Sins Past off the shelves that from then on I was starting to collect monthly comics again. So Sins Past being what got me back into Spider-Man comics, um, you know, your feelings about that either way, I loved it. The next arc being skin deep, my expectations were a lot higher than that. <laughs> We have some breaking news coming into the crawl space right now. Uh, the New York Toy Show has just released images of what's going to be in the next wave of Marvel Legends. And, boys, if you click on your link in your chat window, you'll see that uh, Kane is getting his own Marvel Legend. I posted that five minutes ago, Brad. On the front page? <laughs> not on the front. This is not so, this is not so damn breaking news, then, goddammit. <laughs> no, 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 listeners hear it, too. It'll be there it. It'll you be, go. Somebody posted it on my wall, so I oh. went. Ah! I think you just your head it blew up. I did not know that. Yeah. Zach beat me to it. All That's right. Pretty awesome. That was good. Uh, Spidey dude, I'm collecting the Clone Saga trades from the eleven books. Which ones are the best? Which ones should I get first? If I'm more interested in story quality than chronology. Okay, of uh, the Clone Saga trade books, I'm going to recommend a twelfth uh, book, my friend. The the original Clone Saga trade is 
excellent. It collects the original Clone Saga story uh, that Gary Conway and Ross Andrew uh, did, and it's just a very, very fun story. Um, really good. It also collects some of the Carrion stuff, and, and it collects issue 8 of the Spectacular Spider-Man annuals. Um, but if I'm gonna, I want to say the first trade is excellent. It's got it's got power and responsibility, responsibility, and it's got uh, the Lost Years miniseries in it. It 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 just really gets you into the story almost completely. It does a great job setting up how the world of Spider-Man was in one trade. So I recommend the first one. The second one's good. It's not as as good as the first one. The third one is where it kind of starts going off the rails. Um, Really goes off the rails in the fourth one. The fifth one's okay. Uh, starts at this Ben Riley. The Ben Wait. Riley trade one. Didn't the fifth one include Planet of the Symbiotes? Damn. No, I, I cannot was, apply the word okay to that. Uh, I think it was three that, that had uh, Planet of the Symbiotes, which is terrible. But okay, uh, I couldn't correct it. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, number five had uh, uh, Iron Man smacking his wife. So okay, screw that. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> Ben Riley Epic 1 absolutely sucks through 90% of it until you get to the very last two stories. There's the um, wizard, like, six-page uh, Dan Jurgens drawn story that was like a wizard one-half type thing. And then you have uh, Sensational Zero. <clears throat> Sensational Zero is the first Dan Jurgens story. That's how they end Ben Riley Epic Book 1. That's the only reason to get Ben Riley Epic Book 1. because Dude, you have a beginning, not an ending. <laughs> yeah, well, they wanted crap. you. They want they want you to get Epic Book Two. It's it's a great hook. So well, the, well clearly they want you to get Epic Book One because that's the only reason to get it. <laughs> Here's my advice, guys: screw Epic Book One. Go buy a fifty cent back <laughs> issue of Sensational Number Zero and then skip to Book Two. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so then two through five, uh, two through six. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely great. I just, I, I, that's that's my favorite era of of, of the Clone Saga is is, is is Epic Book two two through six. All right, that was funny. Uh, Bertoni, you're funny. So was uh, <laughs> thank Kevin. you. Uh, I propose to have a mandatory character impersonation in every podcast. We'll see. Uh, you you would have had one, but you didn't ask me to, to impersonate <laughs> anyone. So all right, here let's see. Um, anybody? Can they think of somebody you want? Josh to do an impression of in the Spider Universe. Um, Carly Cooper. Let's. Okay, let me hear your Carly Cooper. I can't do an impression of Carly. I mean, what's Carly Cooper's catchphrase? I can do an impression of the Carly Cooper haters, but uh, let's see. It's like, oh my gosh, Carly completed a whole sentence, you know, without stumbling over her words. Carly Hammer. What? Did you see that? Carly just opened a door all by herself. Carly Hammer. Gosh, Marvel, stop trying to prove that Carly's so perfect. <laughs> you know? Wow, that was pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. yeah I've, I've had about five years of practice. There you go. Spider, the Spider Gopher from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Minnesota. Minnesota is asking questions to all of us. What are some good and informative books on the history of Marvel? I'm starting my senior thesis in college and doing it on something Marvel-related. I've read Sean Howe's Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, and Grant Morrison's Super Gods, both of which I recommend. I also recommend, I just started that Untold Story uh, yesterday. It's a very good book. Um, anybody got any recommendations for him? Tales to Astonish by Ronan Rose, pretty good. I know, I haven't read that. Don is back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, Don. How are the aliens that abducted you? 
my alien brother. <laughs> no, my my alien mother forced me to sing happy birthday. So, wait, oh. is it your birthday today? <laughs> it's my brother's birthday. Oh. Happy birthday to your brother. Thank you. Cool. It is indeed. Everyone knows that Don's brother's birthday is in April. Continuity error. That's when my birthday is. <laughs> <laughs> any other? Any other? Marvel- just a printing error. They fixed that in the timeline for this crawl space source book. <laughs> any other Marvel book history recommendations? There was one back in the day. What was that called? Um, it was like mid nineties. It's got a John Romita Senior Spider Man climbing a wall cover. Oh, I know what you're about. Oh gosh, I don't. Oh, I know exactly what you're about. But I can't place the name. I can't name the book either. Uh, the Marvel Vault is cool. It's got a lot of reprint of collectibles over the years. Um, Spider-Man Vault's a really good book. Yeah, I like that a this, lot. Does Vault get into like a lot of the backstory in terms of certain storylines, or just like the history of the character? It does. It does the history of the character and, and does props, replicas. So it's cool. Merchandise. Kevin, since you weren't on the podcast at the time, what are your thoughts on the Avengers movie? Favorite line, scene, moment? Also, what do you think it would be like if Joss Whedon began writing Spider-Man? Well, like everybody else, I love the Avengers movie. Um, Great freaking movie. Saw it several times in the theater, and that was before I worked at the movie theater, so it wasn't free. Um, I I think my favorite line, scene, moment uh, is not unique. (laughs) The Hulk surprisingly stole the show. And yeah. the best two moments I thought in the movie was, A, when he picked up Loki and bashed him around, um, <laughs> and B, when him and Thor are standing there, like, after a fight, he just punches Thor out of the frame. For that no was, reason. That, yeah, that was, that was just cracked me the hell up. Um, of course, it's a movie full of great moments and dialogue. It's a freaking Joss Whedon movie, so the dialogue's great. Um, obviously, I'm a Joss Whedon fan. <laughs> Uh, if Joss Whedon started writing for Marvel again and wrote Spider-Man, it would be uh, maybe the best Spider-Man book you've ever read, but you'd only be able to read it every six months or so. <laughs> be careful what you wish for, Kevin. I think you and I both were wishing for Dan Slott, and look how that turned out. Uh, no, I was not, because I didn't know Dan Slott. That was uh, <laughs> That was me and Brad. <laughs> I, and- I think that Whedon, like, pitched a Spider-Man book, and it got Marvel turned it down or something. I remember reading that on the CBR message boards. I I might be confusing that with something else, though. I never heard anything about that, and I certainly never heard anything about Marvel turning down Joss Whedon. Uh, Warner Brothers is the only one stupid enough to do that. Yeah, with the Wonder Woman movie? Yeah. The name of the book that I could think of... that, uh, That Warner Brothers didn't go back to Joss Whedon and say, okay... We learned our lesson. How big a money truck do you want? We want to make Wonder Woman. <laughs> the name of the book that Don and I could not think of, I just found it. It's called Five Fabulous Decades of the World's Greatest Comics, Marvel. It's written by Les Daniels and an intro by Stan Lee. Yes, that is it. Yeah, I remember that. I bought that years ago, and I thought it was a really good book. It was in the so 90s, right? Yeah, mi- mid-90s. I'm, I'm, I can't see the... Oh, 1991, it had the copy cover. That's right. I remember, I'm, wasn't, I remember they, showed, they showed an image of Thor with a beard, and I thought as a kid, wow, that's revolutionary to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful-looking Ramita senior cover. I absolutely adore that. Thing. That was, like, at my elementary school library, and when I was, like, first getting into Spider-Man, it was one of those, because it was, like, a large book or something, you weren't allowed to check it out of the library, but I would flip through that thing all the time. 
All right, the other question, uh, Bertoni, your thoughts on the new Star Wars comic from Brian Wood. Are you reading that? I read the first issue, and it's um, it's a very, very, like, condensed issue. Like, it's It feels like the first chapter of a trade. You know, not a lot happens, but I'm in, I enjoyed it, you know, and the rest of the Internet seems to be enjoying it. I think that they're trying to, like get Star Wars readers who haven't been reading the Dark Horse comics because it hasn't been about, like, you know, their favorite characters or something. This is basically, they're trying to do a jumping on point, you know, which sucks for them if, you know, if they're losing the license, as it's being rumored. But it's all right. I just need to read more of it. You know, it's we've only had one issue, depending on when this podcast comes out. You're going to pick up, the if Marvel gets the license back, you're going to pick up Marvel Star Wars comics? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah why not? Uh, TNR-105 from Kunlun. I think that's Iron Fist's Hidden World, right? Yep. Kunlun. Anyone who read it, I know Kevin and Chris are fans of the character. What are your thoughts on Ed Brubaker and leaving Marvel, his work there in general, and his conclusion to his Winter Soldier run where he broke up Bucky and Widow? Brubaker actually replied to me on Twitter, and he said it was going to happen whether or not he left the book, and it was his decision, not an edict this time. I have – Michael Bailey actually sent me um, – one of his uh, Winter Soldier trades. I've yet to read it, but Josh and I've been reading uh, Gotham Central, which he did for DC. I know we're not supposed to mention that on this podcast, but uh, uh, Bruce is an excellent, excellent writer, and um, he's done good for both companies, whether they know it or not. Rubik is a fantastic <laughs> writer. He's done he's done great for Marvel, but uh, like our friend TNR, I was rather upset by the way he ended the Winter Soldier comic. Um, I loved Winter Soldier as a character uh, since his introduction and the history and relationship he had built up between Winter Soldier and Black Widow was excellent and it was actually one of uh, kind of one of the central interests of the character for me and a lot of people and the fact that, you know, I'm going to give you spoilers for the final issue of Winter Soldier here um, so if you don't want that, if you haven't read it yet, just tune out for two minutes um, it, it ends with Natasha losing all her memories of Bucky and they're not going to get them back which is it reminds mm. me a lot of the bad ending of Chuck um what the except Chuck? that huh <laughs> what the Chuck I'm sorry <laughs> yeah except that in Chuck um Sarah you know had lost all her memories but by the end she was starting to get them back and they were together again, at least. There was some hope. This ended with, she doesn't have her memory, she's never getting them back, and I'm not going to pursue her. Which, I, I really don't care if that's uh, intended to get uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye together for the movie fans. I If, if Brubaker said it's what he wanted to do anyway, then I'll believe him. Um, the reason doesn't matter to me. It erased one of the most interesting things about the character and one of the things that got me more interested in Black Widow too and I it's one of those it's it's fairly one more day-ish um, and, and, and that's kind of offensive to me um, so I was really 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 disappointed with his final issue and what he did with it although but like I said Brubaker is a great writer and he did great things for Marvel not taking anything away from that I just really seriously disagree with the way he chose to end it never a I, good I, thing when, when characters forget would happen in, in past history. Yeah. yeah. Well, because if, if the character forgets, then that way, you know, the, the the writer doesn't have to reference it, and the fans don't have to worry about stories that they've never read. Yeah, if only there was a way for the, the readers to forget. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of bad stories, and it's called vodka. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
New from Marvel, vodka reading. Yes, we recommend it. Lockdown <laughs> from Illinois. Hey, everyone, a qu- couple questions. Uh, what are your thoughts on the last two versions of the Sinister Six that Dan Slott used, and who would be in your fantasy Sinister Six team? Shocker, Rhino, Mysterio, Chameleon, Dr. Octopus. Um... The Kingpin. Yeah. <laughs> <Smart>. <laughs> Kingpin. Why don't we have Norman on the Sinister Six? We, he did a Sinister Six team um, back in the Mark Sinister Miller 12. run. Yeah. Oh, he did Sinister 12, which was overkill. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, he was also in the Ultimate version, too. Yeah. The Ultimate version is a pretty good team. Yeah. Oh, that, that was pretty cool. Uh, Slots, Sinister Six, I mean, this... The, one, the, the issues we're going to talk about now, he had Boomerang, Big Wheel, Shocker, Living Brain, uh, who else? Uh, this was a slide. He and didn't he, have Big Wheel, but he had Overdrive, and Overdrive, quote-unquote, pimped out the Big Wheel. <laughs> with Exhibit <laughs> as his receipt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dog, I know you like Big Wheel, so I'll give you this Big Wheel. Um, <laughs> what, what, what was the other Sensor 6? I forget. Well, I don't. I, the one that was just in there with... The shocker and the, the living Oh, at the ends of the earth people. Um, who cares? Yeah. yeah. Kevin, do you think Morbius would fit in Wave 3 of the Marvel films while the crazy vampire while the vampire craze is still high or is it too late? No. <laughs> I don't think it would fit at all. Um, uh, you know, love me some Morbius. Would love to see a Morbius movie, but um, that just in no way fits into the Avengers world that they've been building with their Marvel Studios movies and... Uh, honestly, if they tried to do a Morbius movie like now and tried to fit it with the comic book take, then I'd rather just not see it. Damn. Damn! Okay, um... <laughs> let's see. Brad, what is your favorite collectible in your Spider-Man room? <sighs> Alright, let me look around. What about the unmasked Spider-Man mugs? <sighs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that Zach got me from San Diego. I like that. I'm actually looking at that right now. It's on top of my computer tower. I like that a lot. I also like my Spider-Man Hulk toilet paper. Uh, I like my uh, Marvel Universe 3-pack of Spider-Man and his amazing friends with Iceman and Firestar. Um, I've got a whole shelf full of Mighty Mugs. Um, I just bought this the other day. This is called the Marvel Spider-Man Adventures Web Talking Spider-Man. Let's see if you get... I'm hitting his stomach right now. Hold on. Can you hear that? He's ready when yeah. we are. Yeah, he sounds yeah. like Dan Slott. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Slott read my Spider-Man toy. No! That's my least favorite. Marlon Madison Venice Spider Slayer. <laughs> Marlon Madison Venice Spider Slayer. No, I call that the flat Spider-Man. He's kind of cool. Uh, I, some are you Ned Leeds? Are you Ned Leeds? <laughs> <laughs> I have a giant Spider-Man uh, beanie ball, I think they call him. And I saw a doctor, and I'll, I'll be fine. But... <laughs> Dan Slott, Spider-Man, still talking. Okay, shut up. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's huge, and it's it's a circular Spider-Man ball that they sell at, like, card shops, etc. And it, I think that's kind of funny. I don't want to hear about Spider-Man's huge balls. Okay. I <laughs> well, do. It's in my... <laughs> this ain't Superior Spider-Man. Oh, my gosh. Six, six, six and a half, speaking of. Meth Capital CA to Kevin. Kind of as a follow-up to Wombat's question, given the success of shows like Smallville, could a live-action Spidey TV show work? If so, how do you think the show would be structured? The problem with a live-action Spider-Man TV show is it would have to have the highest budget of all time. Um, Because you can get away with doing Smallville where he barely to never flies. Um, Spider-Man's got a swing. 
You know, he's got to be swinging around the city. He's got to be web swinging. There is no time before he was Spider-Man to focus on, uh, an entire show on. There was no, you know, there's, there's, there was no Spider-Boy time before he was Spider-Man. <laughs> um, so if you did the live-action show, it has to be about Spider-Man in costume swinging around, and they would never get the budget for it. And honestly, if they did, to justify the budget, it would have to continuously be the highest-rated show on television, and scripted TV just isn't doing that anymore. Um, I think it would get great ratings because it's a Spider-Man show, but not enough to justify that kind of a budget. That said, um, if if none of the real-world concerns like budgets existed, uh, you could do a really good live-action Spider-Man TV show where you could develop things for longer, like long-term plots for Norman and stuff. But frankly, I don't know if you could really do it better than Spectacular Spider-Man already did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take it last longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we hope. To to Zach, which villains from the Clone Saga would you like to see return? My vote is for Carolyn Trainer, aka Doc Ock Two. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Carolyn Trainer return, seeing as how Doc Ock's no longer on the board. Um, that'd be kind of fun to have. Jessica Carradine, I'm saying. I, I would like to see Jessica. Ter- I just don't know where, what she would do. She's not really a villain, though. I mean, well, um. About she could be. She could be. Yeah, I'd like to see Seaward Trainer return, just so I could do my my Connery accent on the show. He's dead. He's got no head. <laughs> yeah. So is Peter Parker. We're even. Uh, <laughs> but what if what if Carolyn Trainer? You know, because this is what octopuses do now. She takes over Mary Jane's body, but she doesn't know that Otto's taken over Peter's body. So you know, <laughs> Carolyn is Mary Jane is like, I can't let Peter know that I'm really you know female Doctor Octopus, and Doctor Octopus is like, I can't let Mary Jane know that I'm Doctor Octopus, and oh, the hijinks that would ensue. That would be crazy banana pants town or whatever. Crazy town is. banana pants, baby. <laughs> that would be several issues of just sex. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Bob, I'm coming for you. I feel like it's old and I'm out. All right, uh, to Bertoni, I came to the conclusion that Spider-Man's rogue gallery is unique in the sense that unlike, say, Batman's villains, there have been multiple versions of each villain. Can you list how many iterations there have been of each Spider-Man's villains? Just the top tier. Well, I mean, Clayface, we've had a few different incarnations of him. and um, actually. Two-Face, there was like one or two other two. None of them have ever really lasted very long. But yeah, we've had a few Bart Hamiltons in the Batman universe who kind of go away. Um, But every single... what, What does he want me to do? Like, every legacy single, villain? like, yeah, every single, like, legacy villain, like, list all, like, the people like Bart Hamilton or, um, the different people that have worn the costumes. I guess. How many iterations have been there been of Spider-Man's villains? Has there been multiple rhinos? Has there been multiple electros? No, I don't think so. No multiple electros that, that I mean, there's been people with similar powers. I know, there's, like, um, I used to have this magazine thing, and it listed, like, every single, like, iteration of the Goblin, and whoever said there should be a song, there's, like, a song where you explain, like, the differences between all the Goblins, you know, like, from Demo Goblin to Lefty Donovan to... It's a Grey Goblin, yeah. Yeah, the Grey Uh, Goblin, Jesus Christ. Venom and Grey Goblin the only ones that have multiple versions. I can't think of... Hobgoblin? Yeah, he'd fall under the goblin. The green goblin. Yeah, well, anyway. I mean, there's been what? Norman, Harry, uh, I think people include the Harry clone, uh, Phil Urich. 
have all been Green Goblin, and of course Norman Art again, Hamilton. Hobgoblin, you know, list, list the Hobgoblins, Josh. How many Hobgoblins have there been? Let's Five? not forget the Hobgoblin Patsies. There's Daniel Kingsley, Hobgoblin Patsy for no reason, Ned Leeds, Flash Thompson, Lefty Donovan, and, uh, you know, the real Hobgoblins, Mackendale, burned to a crisp. Um, <laughs> Mackendale, then there's the Secret War version that was never revealed, then there's Phil Urich. I'm counting like eight there. That's a lot of freaking Hobgoblins. Right. Uh, and then the Spider-Girl universe, we have Normie. Yeah. <laughs> Normie. As, as you mentioned, Rhino, there was a second Rhino for the gauntlet that didn't last very long. Oh, yeah. Oh, I completely forgot about it. Oh, damn. Yeah, very good, Kev. Yeah, Did a lot of people really liked that story a lot. It's a great story, I thought. There was two Dr. Octopuses when you uh, include Carolyn Trainer. And, uh, what was it, uh, Calamari Dude? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, then for Venom, you have Carnage, and you have all the symbiotes over the years. Patricia Robertson, was that her name? The who? who was that? The Patricia Robertson, was that the name of like the female Venom from that other Venom series? Scream. There, there was Eddie Brock's wife. <laughs> yes, she Venom. There was Eddie Brock. There was his Anthony. wife. There was uh, Silvio, or not Silvio. There was what's his name that was in it, in the Venom costume for two minutes before the symbiote killed him. Fontoro's uh, brother. Yeah, and then oh, there, yeah. Was, there was Matt Gargan, then uh, Flash Thompson. Apparently Franklin Richards, um, according to that one miniseries. Well, that, that miniseries, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Spider-Man FF. Yeah, there, I think we got through a lot of them, sir. Uh, JR, back during the Thunderbolt Dark Reign period, how did you feel about the concept of Norman and Venom working together, with Matt Gargan being the one under the suit? Do you feel they did all they could with it, or was there more potential there? Well, I felt with the whole Thunderbolts slash Dark Avengers thing, there was a lot more potential about how all these, you know, sociopaths and psychopaths are able to coexist with each other. I thought there was a lot of potential there that went unexplored because we had, you know, we had to hurry up and invade Asgard and one of the most stupidest ideas ever. Um, but I, 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 I thought yeah, that made no sense. Anyway, uh, I thought that the Norman Osborn Gargan relationship actually was interesting, and this is where writers accidentally do things that you know they don't think about. But you know, when someone's sitting on the sideline says, "Hey, you know that that might work out to be a pretty good idea." Um, the fact that in Marvel Knights Spider-Man that the one person that Norman chose to implement his Plan B in case he was ever incarcerated. Um, was Gargan, you know, and so it's kind of like, you know, Norm, to Norman, Spider-Man's identity is a closely, you know, that's his thing, but he chose to share it with Gargan, and there's kind of, you kind of think, of why, what was there, why would Norman trust Gargan with one of his most treasured secrets, you know, so yeah, there was a lot of potential that was never used. I agree. I wish that was what Dark Avengers was now that it's being published, but, um, yeah, that's a bunch of edgy heroes, right? I, I that book is really bad, and and it's I, the rumor is it's going to be canceled, and it just I I'm not really digging it because I have no no clue who half these people. Well, are. I think they have a marketing problem because as somebody yeah. myself from the outside that hasn't read it, I still have no idea what the hell the new Dark Avengers book even is. Well, it's the the thunder here. The Thunderbolts were lost in time. And the, the Luke Cage was in charge of the Thunderbolts, and the government said, you know what, we still need some Thunderbolts. Let's just call these guys Dark Avengers. And they put together, who did, who's on that team? 
God, I can't even remember. There's there's the Clore, which is the Thor clone. He's Ragnarok. Yeah, there's there's a uh, Scar, which is Hulk's son. Um, there's the black suited Spider Man that is. Um, I think it was introduced in the Osborne miniseries, so that ought to tell you how much I like that bastard. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and then there's Hank, uh, no, uh, Hawkeye's brother, Barton. Bart, I think. Barney. Who is Barney. Bart. Barney. Wait, Bart. Yeah. Barton. <laughs> Something like that. Whatever his first name That's is. Barney character. Wow, this Barney is going Barton. Well. <laughs> That's what consists of the Dark Avengers cast. Oh, you, yeah. you forgot How's the... that not selling. Yeah, With uh, Andy <laughs> Davis as Alice the Maid. You've got Hawkeye's cousin Barry. You've got like <laughs> like Ms. Marvel's plumber. Like yeah. what else do you need? Okay, okay. okay. Luke Cage course, had to like scrape the bottom of his phone book. To no, no. Luke Cage said, "What's these guys got on the team?" Luke Cage is like, "Screw it, Mary. Sweet Christmas. I'm out of here." And he eventually left that team. Okay, believe. okay. So did the readers. Okay, here's here's according to Wikipedia. You have U.S. Agent John Walker. Oh yeah, he's he's a he's a been disabled. He's in a wheelchair, but he's supposed to get better. Okay. Flash Thompson will enjoy that. He he had the back. He's going to have the Batgirl serum done to him. Nice. Uh, Spider-Man, quote unquote, Apex, South American Spider God, first encountered in Osborne by Osborne and Osborne number one. Changed yeah. to a six-armed humanoid resembling the black suit version of Spider-Man by unknown substance. They didn't even name the substance. That's how great that is. <laughs> Called the plot. Okay. Got it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Captain Marvel, Carla Sofen, captured in Dark Avengers 16 and joined Luke Cage's Thunderbolts in 144, rejoins the team in Dark Avengers 184, claim, gains the appearance of Captain Marvel from a spell cast by an alternate reality version of Doctor Strange. What the hell is happening in this comic? Dude, I can't. Oh, I, I still have, oh, this, I still, this is just oh, the origin yeah. stories. Yeah, okay, okay. Hawkeye Here's what I think. I've thought since they, since they expanded the Avengers franchise and everything has an Avengers tag on it, that if they want to bring back the Midnight Suns, they would make a great Dark Avengers team. Ooh, right. yeah. Right. I don't know why you want to take the Dark Avengers name and give it to this clan of no-names. Yeah, you got Scar, the son of Hulk. Right, yeah, I got that one. You got Scarlet Witch, Dr. June Covington, biologist what? and geneticist. <laughs> first, encountered, first encountered by Osborne at Osborne number one following the siege of Asgard. See, they took that Osborne miniseries and just all those backup people they put in the Dark Avengers. It's, yeah. I, I, it's you got, awful. You got Reg- what, what's, what's, what's Hawkeye's brother's name? Barney Barton. <laughs> Joined after having his death in a hospital bed faked by Osborne. Let's find out more about Barney Barton. Barney Barton. He was in Europe. Was he in Europe? Tell me he was in Europe. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he was in Europe. <laughs> he first okay. He first appeared in Avengers Volume One Sixty Four, created by Roy Thomas and Gene. Yeah, Col- I've been around a long time. So he's, he's a legacy character then. In Hawkeye, yeah. Blind all these Spot. guys and Ragnarok. That's that's your that's yeah. Your dark- Holy shit. That's your Dark Avengers. Go buy it now before it. Even yeah. better, his other former villain name was Trickshot. Yeah, Trickshot. Trick oh, all right, shot. moving on. My God, that was funny. Uh, <laughs> Don, have you had any interest in working in the comic book industry? If so, what would you, be your dream job? 
It's not very often someone asks me what my life dreams are on a podcast. John, uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, I, I, I my, my, uh, my, my college degree is in uh, writing English, technically, but you know, writing with a creative writing concentration, and I, I enjoy writing. I like to write. I write short stories. I wrote short stories all throughout uh, school. I don't tell anybody because it's not worth it, but. Um, I remember when Kevin was talking a lot about writing the comic book industry a few years ago and how it was constantly changing. And the way comic, uh, the comic book industry is now, I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe about 10 years, but like currently it seems very unfit for new young writers. And um, the way I see, I see certain writers done, like uh, Joyce Perez on Superman or Dwayne McDuffie on JLA, it seems very kind of – like like uh, unwelcoming. So hopefully someday, but like not this second. Although if someone offered me a comic book jo- writing job, I would take it and lose all my money doing it, and I'll be happy to do it. But that's just because I'm a sucker. Uh, uh, Chris, now that you have the T-shirt market corner with Chris was right, when can we expect Crazy Town Banana Pants to hit the market in the T-shirts? Well, first of all, the Chris was right T-shirts were made by Bertoni. A gentleman doesn't make his own I was right shirt. So let's just be clear there. Second of of all, what are you talking about? There's always been a Crazy Town Banana Pants shirt. I see them everywhere. They're ads in Spider-Man comics. (laughs) Uh, Brad, when can we expect to get the entire gang together for an epic live-action podcast? Well, uh, we've started a Kickstarter campaign for plane tickets. No, San Diego 2014? There you go. Well, a lot of us will be there for uh, 13, as it's looking. Um, Who's going to be there? Uh, Probably Don, myself, uh, Stella, maybe Kevin. Kevin. Right. I mean, that's at least you know what you know a half dozen of us. So just me and Jr. I'm confirming that I'm going to try to be there, but I can't. Yeah. Okay. Confirm that you're going to (laughs) try. I just now thought of that after I put after it came out of my mouth. Yeah. Somebody shoot him the definition of confirming. (laughs) <laughs> but, I, yeah. but I mean, yeah. Let's see. But if it was Stella, Don, and myself, and Kevin, I mean, you know, and and if Zach, I, I didn't say Zach because last time I spoke to him, he he made it sound like it wasn't like that. Is at least like four of us. There's been podcasts where like there's only, well, yeah, yeah. Craig XP. So if we had a Kickstarter campaign, it'd be for a plane ticket for me and Jr. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't think Jr. Wanted me to. <laughs> You're not going to get a lot of people to donate to a Kickstarter campaign. Says, please pay for me to go on a vacation. <laughs> There's been worse. Some of us have faces for radio, though. So, <laughs> uh, quit talking about Zach. All right. <laughs> 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 That's bad. Yeah. Uh, you know what? An hour, an hour and forty-five minutes into this show, and finally the first shot. You got your first dig. Congratulations, Road Hard. No, Rohad. 67. First post, and I screwed up your name. I, I'm so sorry. Uh, hi, gang. I'm brand new. I'm a brand new message board user, but no stranger to your podcast. Been listening to t- for two years, or Spidey. Been collecting uh, since Amazing 138. That's oh. a long time. My question would be directed at the senior citizen. I just added that. JR, I guess since it involves Norman, sometimes mentioned something. someone mentioned something on podcast 211 about what it would take to get Peter to kill Norman. My answer is put Octavius's mind inside Peter's body. 
Obviously, Otto would be the real killer, not Peter, but could you see a situation developing where this could happen? Eventually, Pete's coming back, and I could see this type of event being the impetus, impetus, impetus. I don't know that word. <laughs> the reason. How about that? The reason for his return. Thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. Love your podcast. Thanks for your first question. Aiming at JR. Here goes JR. No. <laughs> Good night, folks. <laughs> and that's all she wrote. He'll never post again, Jr. You just wrote the newbie. <laughs> how many? How many like simple no, yes, no word answers oh, have we had in this show? The worst. <laughs> well, Go ahead, the Jay. question was: with it, Could I see it, that ever happening? No. And besides, the the question itself is what would what would drive Peter to do it? Not would not what would drive Peter's body to do it? Um, Having and, sex with uh, but. And, but part of it is just Brad is just so incompetent at reading these questions, you know. <laughs> incompetent. <laughs> As opposed to, <laughs> if I have to explain it, I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's Jr.'s issue. Ah, fuck it. I can't even insult Jr. after he puts me in my corner. You don't put Brad in the corner. Patrick Swayze, DXD, ninety-four posts, nowhere location, but he likes wrestling. Uh, to the group, why was there not a Sinister Six reunion in the 70s or 80s? They appeared in Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1, and they didn't appear together until the 90s. Seems kind of odd that Matlow, Stern, or DeFalco didn't reunite them. It would have made a great annual issue back in the 70s or 80s. Also, uh, let's answer that one first. Why didn't they do it? See, now people like talk about the Sinister Six as if this, it's this like classic legacy thing of Spider-Man, you know? But really, it's it didn't become a running thing until, like, those, you know, Return of the Sinister Six stories that happened by Larson and stuff. So it was just, like, a a bit that was tried once, and then it was over. That's like saying, you know, the Living Brain, who's this Lee Dicko, you know, creation. Like, oh, why, is, why wasn't there any classic, you know, Living Brain stories in the 70s, 80s, and 90s? Actually, there was one in the 80s. We'll get to that later, but... <laughs> well, I think it's a little bit of a different question because, uh, you know... It, that more leads to the question, why would there be more living brain stories in the 70s and 80s? The difference being the Sinister Six is kind of a a big idea. And, you know, I, I for one, kind of agree. Why wouldn't you explore and bring back that idea more? And, yeah, I guess they just didn't feel it, but I would have. Well, it, t- it takes away from what eventually became an epic 90s story. I mean, the return of the Sinister Six was something that yeah you you didn't see that for since the since the D, Lee Dicko run so yeah that, that was kind of a fun deal why they didn't do it sooner than that you know who knows but also at the end of the original Century Six story Doc Ock's like you know next time we'll get him like they're all in jail they're like ah oh, screw you Doc Ock we're not working together anymore yeah <laughs> the other question is since uh, they went to uh, since they went to the bother of resurrecting Craven. This is the first chance to reunite all the original members of Sinister Six since Craven's last hunt. Would this be something you would like to see? Kill off Craven again. It, <laughs> it, it it doesn't matter. I mean, when they had the other Sinister Six in the Mackey run and they had Craven's son, at that point, Craven's son was pretty much the same character as him. You well, know, he just had Doc Doc as Spider-Man, so that kind of makes it difficult. Get Carolyn Drainer. <laughs> but still, it's not the original members like he's saying. Oh well, you could get you could get Spider-Man to leave the Sinister Six, and then you know Peter Parker shows up. Yeah, that won't tip off anybody. 
true. <laughs> although, although this is the Marvel Universe we're, we're talking about, they all been like, you would have Jonah going, See, I told you it was a menace! Ah! <laughs> Alright, last question. Amazing OSU man. Uh, question for everyone. If you were Peter Parker, Obi-Wanna-Be Peter, or regular non-Auto Peter, I don't know if that makes sense, and you decide you would use Loki's... Loki's Rune? Rune? Yeah. Is, okay. Yep. What would you ask for? I'd ask, what are you, Loki's rune? <laughs> is that like, uh, is, it, is it like you just make a wish and you get it or something? I don't know what he's is, talking it, about. Is a rune a wish? Is that what he's talking about? No, no, he talking a, about rune is, a rune is the PR guy for Marvel. He's probably talking about the uh, favor that Loki promised Spider-Man in um, JMS's run. But oh, that can't written. be it. I can't be it. What would what would you want? He gave him a rune. That's what he gave him. He gave him an object. <laughs> he, he, he gave him a rune. Hold on. It's his own personal relations guy now. I'm going to thefreedictionary.com. No, a rune is just an ancient symbol. Any of the characters in several alphabets used by ancient Germanic people Germanic. Germanic. from the 3rd to the 13th century. The alternate definition, a similar character in another alphabet, sometimes believed to have magic powers, or a poem or incantation of mysterious significance, especially a magic charm. So this is a wish. <laughs> Let's just pretend they said Cosmic Cube and go with it. Okay, go. <laughs> okay. So Peter, uh, what would he ask for? He has he Uncle Ben for? and Gwen back, probably. There you go. Anybody else? Uh, can I turn back time and stop the burglar? Oh, I thought you can I be in my own body again? <laughs> can I turn back time? Yes, Brad. It's totally plausible that I was starting to sing that song. <laughs> I take back all the things that my fist stole. Oh, look at the time. There we go. <laughs> and I'll do it again. Okay. Anybody else? And why? last question. Why? Ron Zimmerman would like to hit that, you know. In Peter Parker's version of Heaven. Wait, wait, what? His last question is, why is there a dude in a wheelchair in Peter Parker's Heaven? We <laughs> talked about this. Nathan Lubinsky cannot lay off of, you know, the gambling. In the Heaven, Bookies broke his legs. I mean, I, I know it's Heaven, but I mean, you know, you got to have Bookies in Heaven. Otherwise, you know, people are just going to get corrupt. I mean, you know. Okay, let's tackle uh, reviews now. We've got three issues of a Superior Spider-Man, number one and three. JR is going to tackle the first issue. So, JR, what do we got in this one? Well, we have the story beginning with Peter Puss standing at Otto Octavius's grave, saying goodbye to his old life, a life wasted on villainy and schemes, and his saluting his new life as Peter Parker's Spider-Man. So anyway, he gets a uh, call over his Bluetooth about officers down at ESU and decides to go into action. And he finds out that it's a bargain basement uh, version of the Sinister Six. And he's he's more he's more offended uh, at the fact that a bunch of lame losers like that are taking the taking the name than anything else. But we've got the Shocker, we've got a Beetle with boobs, we've got Boomerang, <laughs> we've got Speed Demon, the Living Brain. 
yeah. and the big wheel, which is really overdrive, uh, doing, uh, as the shocker says, pimping out the big wheel. Uh, but this this is all fairly amusing. And, and uh, so, Sp- so Spider-Man slash Dr. Octopus decides to take them all down. And he's pretty successful for a while until... He just figures, what is this crap? What am I doing fighting these guys? This is ridiculous. Why am I risking my life? And he decides to run away, actually. <laughs> but then then he sees a cop in trouble and instinctively, not knowing exactly why he did it, but instinctively saving a cop's life, which puts him actually vulnerable to Boomerang. And uh, But uh, then he whips out some claws and shreds Boomerang's uh, costume and chest. And, of course, wow. Boomerang scream, screams like a girl after getting cut, and uh, then the Sinister Six all all disappear. So then Spider-Man comes up with the idea of saying, hmm, you know, after the cops say, is there anything we can do for you? And Spider-Man says, yeah. See the living brain there? Why don't you have him? Just send him to Horizon Labs where my, <coughs> quote, unquote, associate Peter Parker can study it. So... <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what happens then is uh, the uh, the living brain is uh, delivered to uh, Horizon Labs, and Peter slash Peter Push slash Spock slash whatever starts studying it, and then Art Modell comes and starts you know you know doing this whole lot of wimpy shit like oh it's weapons you're making weapons you know and and. Uh, you know, and then of course Peter reminds Max that uh, hey, you know what? You know some of our best technology came from weapons, so shut up. Uh, and um, but then you know he says, look, here's all these other brilliant things I'm working on. Go away. Uh, but and and then of course you know he has a moment of uh, clarity, realizing that all of his accomplishments are going to be credited to Peter Parker and not uh, Otto Octavius. Uh, but then he says that. Ah, I must accept that his victories are now mine because I am Peter freaking Parker. So then Mary, then Mary Jane calls and says, "Hey, are we on for dinner tonight?" You know, and then Peter goes, <laughs> "Yeah." <laughs> and, uh, well, and then and then you know Mary, and then uh, Doctor Octopus uh, or Peter Puss or whatever is out on the date with Mary, Mary Jane, and is proving himself to be just like any normal American man. In that Mary Jane is talking and Peter is not listening to a thing she is saying. Yep. So, yep. And, nice cleavage shot. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and he's, uh, you know, he's saying, you know, so he's sitting there thinking to himself, yeah, you know what, I, this, this, this actually ain't such a bad life, you know, particularly the view, you know. And of course, then we, you know, he he decides to look at, you know, Mary Jane's, uh, uh, let's see here, uh, her forty fours, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, they're, they're, you know, and he says, hmm, not on the level of power girls, but I think I can handle those. I think I can get my hands around those. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. God. And, uh, God. So, so anyway, then all of a sudden, you know, as he's listening to his Bluetooth like a distracted businessman, and Mary Jane's wondering what's going on, it's like, ah, oh, I'm listening to the Sinister Six plot in their next attack. <laughs> because when I really, when I scratched Boomerang, you know, made him scream like a little wuss, you know, I was really injecting him with nano spider tracers so I can listen to everything that's going on. You know, and Mary Jane going, well, if you can, well, why don't you go after him? 
and, you know, of course, and Peter's saying, yeah, right, I'm going to go fight those guys when I could be staring here looking at your boobs. Uh, <laughs> but no, he says, no, he says this gives him a technical advantage. And But Mary Jane's starting to realize that some things aren't quite right because Peter's drinking and uh, Peter never really, never really likes to drink, um, unless of course you read JMS's Spider-Man, where he decides to get stupid drunk. Uh, but then again, you know that that was a previous era. Uh, anyway, all of a sudden, you know, uh, then the next scene is that the new Sinister Six, uh, led by the Beetle with boobs, uh, attacks Horizon Labs, <laughs> and as they um, as they start to make their escape, they find out that they're surrounded and trapped by a web blockade by the new Sp- by Spider-Man. And then after he kicks the shit out of them all, you know, he, <laughs> you know, the press shows up and says, you know, you know, everyone wonders, hey, how how the press get here so quickly? Well, of course, you know, the new Spider-Man says, well, I called him a half hour ago, and I said, hey, if you want to see the Sinister Six get their ass kicked, <laughs> bring a camera. And. Uh, <laughs> Awesome. Let's get in our news car now. Yeah. But then, you know, and, and then, you know, Dot, he figures out that the the reason they were stealing this equipment is because they wanted to uh, blackmail the city with a tornado. And, of course, he thinks that's just the stupidest idea. And, of course, Boomerang, you know, being an ill-tempered Aussie, you know, takes offense at being, you know, called lame and, uh, you know, says that it was an inspired idea and, but then he realizes, oh, I'm about to get my ass kicked by Spider-Man. I better just shut up and give up. And well, unfortunately, he's pushed Doc too far. You know, he uh, Boomerang says, "All right, I give up. You win." And Spider-Man goes, "Yes, I do. I get to win. I'm beating the Sinister Six, and everyone is going to see it, and they'll get the message. This is what happens when you cross this Spider-Man. You know." <laughs> And then all of a sudden, man! And then all of a sudden, you say, you hear Luke. You know, like, Luke. Luke. Luke's the force, Luke. And then Spider-Man. Decides, you will go to the day of monsters. Then Spider-Man decides to take off the the automatic tracking system and go manual, and he blows up the Death Star. Uh, but no, what happens actually is. We find out. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I, I don't even know how to address this last page because I really enjoyed this up until this last page. But it's ghost, ghost. <laughs> Peter Obi Wan. Yeah. Oh my God! It's Casper. Casper based friendly <laughs> spider. The friendly neighborhood ghost, Casper. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, and Doc's going, gee, why, why, you know, I was pounding that guy's face in the hamburger. How come I didn't just, you know, go for the kill? And, you know, and Casper says, well, it, you didn't kill him because I won't let you kill him. And I don't know. Let's see. What's he say here? I don't know how, but I'm still in the fight. I am Peter Parker, and I swear I will find a way back. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> All right, give me some pros and cons, Jr. Pros and cons. Pros is I I love this issue to the last page. Okay, I I like the way that uh, Doctor Ock instead of you know Spider Man you know Peter telling all kinds of jokes, Spy, uh, Doc Ock is actually analyzing the situation. He's sizing up the villains and verbalizing their strengths and weaknesses, and and he's making snide comments all along the way because he, you know he thinks these guys are, are obviously truly inferior to him. Yeah, now, and I did not mind him staring at Mary Jane's boobs because he's, well, 
well, one, first of all, most most normal guys would. Two, he's the bad guy. You know, you got to remember, bad guys do and say bad things. You know, we're all bad guys. You yeah, know exactly. What I'm exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's uh, yeah. so I okay, like that. You know, I, I just like I just like the and I liked uh, I like Ryan Stegman's art. I mean, I'm not a, an art person, and I really like the the fact that the costume is more black and red because I think that's a much I mean, really I think overall that's a much better look for Spider Man. Um, and uh, but you know, I just I, I really enjoyed this issue until the end, and I don't want to and that's my and that's my one con, um, and I don't want to say too much because. I think issue two illustrates the point a lot better, but to me, this is a big mistake because you now have taken the focus off Dr. Octopus and Spider-Man's body. That was how this was starting about Doc Ock trying to reorient himself to his new life uh, and choices that he'll make. uh, And then, and now all of a sudden you've, you've taken the focus of that series off or taken that off. Excuse me. That's no longer the focus of your series because now it's, you know, the focus is not Doc Ock. The focus is how is Peter Parker reacting to Doc Ock being in his body, which, frankly, I think is, is coming way too early. So I was going to give this an A, but okay. because of the last page, I have to downgrade it to a B. Okay, pros all around. Something JR hasn't said. What do you guys think? Uh, uh, I like that uh, uh, Slot has a Simpsons Season 9 DVD just like I do with the Living Brain joke. Living Brain gets like attached and says, "Why? Why was I made to feel pain?" Oh, that was a funny joke. You mean that that joke was already used? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. You heard on the internet today that that issue came out. I guess not. Wow. All right then. Um, and, and also, also like you know, I agree. I think the best part of illustrating the difference between Doctor Octopus and Peter Parker is that Ock, when he's getting outmatched, he actually tries to run away. And I thought that was that was a very unexpected yet logical and brilliant. Uh, way to illustrate how different they are. I thought it was great. Okay. Any more pros? Anyone? Yeah, I'll uh, go. Oh, go ahead, Chris. All right. Um, I actually really like that more of Otto's personality was retained than I thought it would after 700, because I was worried that Otto's brain was going to basically be rewritten and he would start to seem like a different person just overnight. But I think Slot, for the most part, is keeping the changes fairly subtle and gradual, at least in this issue, uh, which is what I think it should be, because he's still being a jerk to everybody. He intended to kill Boomerang. In the first scene, he had intended to leave the police to the mercy of the Sinister Six. But at the same time, we sort of know he's seeing things in a new way based on how he talks about how his past villainous life was a failure. Um, and I, I like, I really like that scene where he's beating on Boomerang and he's announcing that, you know, how happy is that he's on the winning team now and everybody is looking at him. And so we know that he has been sort of pushed in the direction by what happened in 700, but at the same time, there's also like an explanation of his behavior that's still tied to his character traits like ego. So even though he's acting differently, it can still be rationalized as something Doc Ock would do under certain circumstances. Uh, I I didn't mind the introduction of Ghost Peter in this issue. I hated him in the next issue. But this time I thought it was an interesting way to sort of let Doc still be Doc Ock and still be bad, but have sort of a way to keep him from going too far without having his personality change seem too contrived. So I didn't really mind that last page either. Yeah. Uh, Any other pros? uh, Just in general, I'd say just that I thought this – issue was the best case scenario for this concept. It was 
you know, it was the promise of the premise. It was just, it was the fun uh, issue that we wanted to see from the concept of Doctor Octopus in Spider-Man's body, and thankfully we got that before we forgot about that. The next issue, um, and also Stegman's art is gorgeous. I'm, I'd put him up there with the best Spider-Man artist right now. <laughs> Don, Don, any pros? I've already said mine. Oh, you did. Uh, uh, Josh wants to do this before he goes to the phone. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, th- this was, um, like Chris said, I liked that they retained more of Doc Ock because the ending to 700 was kind of ambiguous with what Dr. Octopus's frame of mind is. It's it's the fine line between a pro and a con because, like, it doesn't go, you know, very much with the last story that was published. But um, it was fun to see how Dr. Octopus was, like, preparing all the stuff like, oh, yes, I mopped those floors hours ago and all those things. One weird, one weird thing, this isn't a pro or a con, is that camera that Nora Winters has. That's, like, I've never seen her with a camera that big before. Usually it's been, she's had, like, tinier ones. That's like a 1980s like news camera. <laughs> I I saw that too. You see how is this the issue where she's holding it? Let me see. <clears throat> Zach, what's your um, pro? Uh, you know, I'll jump in with my pros. Uh, Segment's artwork uh, is yeah. really good in this issue. Um, I haven't always been a fan of Stegman's artwork whenever he inks his own stuff as much as he does when he has somebody else inking him, um, but. For this story, it absolutely works. Um, I like the costume even better. It's not as dramatic as I thought it was going to be. It's a little more subtle um, now that I've seen it more in action. I think the colors have really have really do pop, and I think they enhance the artwork a lot uh, from just the black and white um, stills that we got before. Uh, I think that he, that Stegman works very well with slot in terms of, of writer-artist combo. So I think it's, he's a fine addition to to the rotation. The scene with Mary Jane is okay. It's probably my least favorite one, but but uh, uh, everything else about this issue I liked. I even liked Ghost Peter Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Uh, uh, let's. Any more pros before we move on to cons? That's everybody. All right, cons. What do we What do we got? Okie dokie. <laughs> um, I I this is again. No, Donovan's a negative guy. Huh <laughs> huh. But like I thought that uh, Peter Puss, Doctor Puss, Spock the Puss, uh, something with the, with the suffix of Puss was like like really 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 like abrasively out of character. You know, Slot's shown that he can write Doctor Octopus posing as Peter Parker and make it convincing before in 698, and it's like here it's like he's tr- he's trying his best to make it obvious, and it, it, it's a double whammy because we have Peter Parker dressing like. Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory saying, "Don'ts, careful with that," and like this, and his body language is completely different. And it's such a sudden change from the guy who they were talking to, like when Alpha was working for them. That is like you know, it's not that nobody figures out this Doctor Octopus. It's that nobody even comments on how Peter's changed in this issue. And I think that it's, his uh, body language and personality is stark enough, and it's different that it would at least uh, it would at least respond something different. I mean, I know, I know, um, you know, Grady Scraps kind of like uh, arches his eyebrows, but nobody ever says, you know, like Peter, like why are you building, uh, building weapons? You know, shut up, I'm busy. And like, why are you talking to me like that? Don't talk to me like that. No, they don't say that. Um, I think that, I mean, those, that's sort of the double whammy thing. Also, I know that Chris enjoys that Doctor Octopus's personality is a lot more in tune with his typical personality, but I think it's a real bait and switch to have Doctor Octopus have this sort of epiphany at the end of 700, and then. 
at difference. I mean, I understand the benefits from that because you want to have Dr. Octopus as Spider-Man be a fun idea. But it's almost like, the, again, it's almost like, the, like there's no consistency with, between the two personalities. And I thought that, like, it doesn't really serve the story well if you're not being consistent with what you set up the very uh, previous issue. Uh, may, may I respond? I, to, go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, no. What I was going to say is that I think what we're dealing with is the concept of a, a human mind having another human mind inside of it. And then, like, that mind within a mind is being influenced by the mind that it's inside. And I think human beings act inconsistently all the time. So I think when you have this weird sort of sci-fi concept of, like, one human mind affecting another one, like, it's not – doesn't have to necessarily be mechanical and always work the same – the way you'd expect in every single situation. You know, I I can settle for a little unevenness. I disagree. But right. I'm willing to disagree. I'm willing to agree to disagree. Um, I was going to ju- jump in and say that if you read 15.1, this is absolutely within the character that's that it's established in 15.1 of Avenging. Um, Although, I mean, Doctor, uh, or not Doctor, Dan Slott is writing the two uh, personas differently. This is sort of like my. Comp- I'm sure. I'm sure the 15.1 does explain it, but uh, it's been a while since I've read that. And um, I would also argue that he's trying to establish that there's going to be a bunch of new readers coming in with the big issue one, so he's trying to establish pretty concretely that this isn't your your this isn't your granddaddy's Peter Parker, my current daddy as opposed to my usual daddy. <laughs> 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 no, Who's your daddy? <laughs> I guess I was I was going to just finish up real quick because I don't want to take too long. Um, personally, I didn't really like the art. Uh, I like segment generally, but maybe it's because of the inking, or maybe it's because of. I looked back just now that the Edgar Delgado is still coloring the book, but it looks very much like Dean White, who I thought ruined John Romita Jr.'s artwork on, during ASM. And I, I don't know, it was just too kind of too warm for me, or maybe it's because the panels are have a lot a, a lot of a heavier white border. And I know that's extremely nitpicky, but it was just I wasn't really feeling the art until issue three, um, and finally Peter Parker coming back as a ghost. I was I was sort of you know getting into the book near the end, but at the end where it's like Gandalf the White, where he says, Peter's like, you know, I've overcome, I've returned Otto until my task is completed. It's just like, th- I thought that was incredibly silly. And I think it's actually a good idea that they, they, don't, they don't tease the idea that Peter's gone forever, and they actually address that right up front. Do I think it takes away from Otto as Spider-Man? Possibly, yeah. But my problem was just that, like, I thought it doesn't make any sense. But that's not so much of a big problem. That's sort of like, you know, uh, well was kind of weird kind of moment. Yeah. I didn't actually mind the spider ghost. I don't know. I didn't mind it on the last page of this issue. I just didn't realize how terrible it was going to be next issue. Yeah, next issue yeah. suck if you guys don't guess, the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, let's go around the horn for grades. Uh, let's see, JR, what's your grade? B. Chris? B. Donovan? C+. Plus. Zach? I'll give it an A. Kev? A. I'll give it a B myself. Bertoni, what grade would you give this one? Number one? Yeah, I've, I've switched recording studios. I'm now in my car, so the audience may notice the difference in my voice. <laughs> um, I'd give it a B. It's, I was expecting a lot more for the first issue, and I wasn't like particularly blown away, but it wasn't a bad story. It was just, you know, I, I would have liked a lot more, I guess, from, you know, the quote-unquote beginning of this new era. But it, it's a B. And we'll wrap this episode up right about there. On our next one, we'll wrap up the reviews of Superior Spider-Man number 2 and 3. 
But before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. And another example of their great prices is on Morbius number 4. In this one, Morb starts a gang war, and the cover price of that war is just $2.99. MailOrder has it for just a buck eighty-five. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com.